Happy Friday, Dub Nation. This is the final show where we're actually matching up with the days and making this a daily podcast. Uh, starting next week, yes, we will have a show on Monday. I'm actually going to do a crossover with the Locked On Lakers folks. Um, they courteously invited me on. I don't know why, given the amount of slander I, I direct their way. But they did add former Warrior Juan Toscano-Anderson, and we should, still, we should still have a fun time. Uh, but just, just a heads up that at least for the month of August, uh, we will not be producing daily content. Expect two to three shows a week. Uh, and then at some point in September, uh, we're going to start ramping things up again uh, as training camp approaches. For today's show, Connor Laterno, my close friend, my uh, uh, someone I consider dear to my heart, a tremendous reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle covering the Golden State Warriors and then some. He joins me on today's Locked on Warriors. Uh, but because he was driving, we had to conduct the interview through Zoom. Um, so visually, probably not the greatest show, as if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening to it on a podcast, Connor's on a phone, should still sound fine. Uh, I just finished recording it, and I do want to let you know we covered some great Warriors content. We're talking about Ryan Rollins and the draft picks. We're talking about the financial future of the Warriors. We're talking about what's likely the final roster the Warriors will have for next season. It's a lot of great Warriors content. Coming up next, this is Locked On Warriors. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can follow Connor Laterno, enterprise reporter, among many titles he has at the San Francisco Chronicle, at C-O-N underscore C-H-R-O-N, Con underscore Cron uh, on Twitter. You can follow me, Cyrus Sotsis, on Twitter, at DogSurfRocho. Connor is on the phone today because he's driving out to Stockton for what we talked about before we started recording was uh, this new exciting feature piece. Can you talk about it right now? Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm working on a, I don't want to get too much into it, but I'm working on a bigger piece that gets at, like, youth basketball rankings and kind of the, some of the the other aspects that go into ranking kids really young and having youth AAU tournaments all over the country. You know, as anyone who follows my work knows that, yes, I do a lot of Warriors, but I also do a lot of enterprise and a wide range of Bay Area sports topics. So now that we're kind of in the lull of the NBA calendar, trying to use this time to pursue some bigger stuff, you know, uh, stuff I'm kind of passionate about. So it should be fun. Nice, dude. Let's talk about the Warriors, man. You you uh, you wrote a brief uh, story. It was just like an, it was just a news brief uh, for the San Francisco Chronicle yesterday, announcing that Ryan Rollins signed a guaranteed uh, three year deal. The third year supposedly is is more lucrative than the first two. Um, could you elaborate on on what's it seemed? I guess I've never seen like a story written about a second round picks contract like that. Uh, was there anything unique to it? And then you also added in there something that was interesting. You said he is the thirteenth man on the roster. I assume Quindary Weatherspoon is the twelfth man. Am I am I accurate on that? Quindary Weatherspoon's on a two way deal. So when we're right. talking about thirteenth man, fourteenth man, we're talking about the fifteen man roster, which is all guaranteed contracts. The okay. so two-way contracts are kind of a different thing. You know, you have the 15-man roster, then you have two guys on two-way deals. So there's actually 17 
people on the roster, but the 15 man roster is a different thing. Um, and then as far as Ryan Rollins, speaking of bigger pieces, I actually evening with him in Vegas uh-huh. toward the end of summer league. And I have a bigger profile on him dropping this weekend. So Ooh. be on the lookout for that. It's, it'll be, you know, definitely the most in depth thing that's been done on Ryan Rollins. I was just really intrigued because it's rare that you see um, a second round pick be this, this valued by an organization. Yes. Uh, I did some research and that $2 million the Warriors spent to move up to the 41st pick uh, in draft Ryan Rollins is the most money ever spent to move up to a position in the draft that late in the draft. Um, which, and it's really interesting when you think about it because obviously we all know the Warriors have been incredibly cost-conscious cost lately. Uh, you know, their entire free agency has been defined by trying to save money. So for them to spend $2 million to go and get a, a middle second rounder, it's it's fascinating to me. I mean, it speaks yes. to how much they value this guy, but also it's like, why do they value this guy so much when – 29 other teams passed on him and they even passed on him at 28. They could have had him at 28. Um, So, you know, that's a lot of what my profile gets into. Uh, Basically, uh, they feel like he's a diamond in the rough. They feel like he's a guy who can, you know, be a back in rotation player as soon as this season. Uh, They think he is a, a really highly developed, skilled offensive player who can be somewhat of a, a backup point guard at the next level. So, you know, we'll see what, we'll see what happens, but uh, just the entire approach, I think is really interesting. But part of the philosophy too, is that even though they spent money to go and draft him, they're actually spending less money to have him on the 15 man roster than they would if they just went and signed some veteran minimum guy, because rookie minimums are obviously the lowest amount of minimums, right? So they're actually kind of saving some money, this year when you're talking about the, the payroll of the roster. So it was kind of an interesting kind of under underrated, overlooked kind of salary cap maneuver on the Warriors part. What, what was so special about the contract? I kept, I kept reading that the third year had like more guaranteed money. Is there anything unique about his contract versus a typical uh, second round pick? Well, it's guaranteed. <laughs> you know, like the second round picks don't have guaranteed deals usually. Um, I can only think of a couple guys in recent memory from the Warriors who've been second round picks who've immediately gotten guaranteed deals. Obviously, Eric Pascal got one. I think Patrick McCaw got one. I might be mistaken, but I think he got one right away. So um, usually if the Warriors are going to pay to get into the second round and draft a guy, they, they feel confident enough in him to give him a guaranteed deal. But most, a lot of these guys drafted in those forties, you know, never even make an NBA roster. You know, they never get a guaranteed deal. They're basically just kind of training camp invitees. So for him to get a multi-year guaranteed deal, you know, cause a lot of these guys, like he could show up on day one and just not be an NBA player. Like right. a lot of those guys taking that day just aren't NBA players, but they feel very confident that he is a he's definitely an NBA player. So I think that's the most interesting thing about the the contract aspect of it. No, you're you're right, man. I had a a, a Raphael Barlow on the show a few weeks back. Who's uh, his, his entire business is 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 covering the draft. 
covering, you know, high school players, college players. And he was raving about Ryan Rollins more specifically. Uh, I think he played it with Toledo for two years. And it, he said his wingspan is really long. He's a stout defender. I didn't really hear much about his offense. In your opinion, from what you've researched, you know, you said you had this profile piece coming out. Uh, so I guess maybe give us a tease of what's to come. What's so special about Ryan Rollins, in your opinion? Like, what makes him uh, someone that the Warriors are willing to spend $2 million on to trade up for? He's kind of like the stereotypic guy the Warriors like. I mean, he has a 6'10 wingspan. He's 6'2 with a 6'10 wingspan. Um, has a really good feel for the game. Really high basketball IQ. Um, is really he's really smooth offensively. Like if you watch his film, one thing that jumps out to me is just he has a really good understanding of pacing. Like he's got this kind of unique kind of flow to his game that's a little bit advanced for someone his age. He just turned 20 years old uh, on July 3rd. He was drafted at 19 years old. Um, and you know, yes, he comes from a mid-major program in Toledo, but they won. You know, they won their the regular season conference championship two years in a row. Um, he was a focal point of that offense last year, put up really good numbers against, you know, some high level teams like Michigan state and things like that. And so, um, you know, the warriors love him. Like I'm sure you heard the story about his pre-draft workout. He was, uh, working out and Steve Kerr was in there just during the NBA finals, just getting in on the elliptical, like half paying attention. And he's like, turns to Mike Dunleavy Jr., the assistant GM, and he's like, who is that guy? That guy is, like, head and shoulders better than everyone else, and it was Ryan Rollins. Um, you know, and everyone, everyone, you know, who knew him at Toledo, followed him closely, was like, yeah, we knew as, as, uh, as quickly as humanly possible, he, once he was in front of NBA scouts and in a pre-draft, workout setting that he would impress and move up the leadership board, the leaderboard, because he was, you know, like a, a lot of people have him as a second round pick coming out of Toledo. And he, you know, he was, a, he, he just finished his sophomore year. So he easily could have gone back, but he decided to go because he felt that confident in his ability to impress the workouts. I'm guessing you're exciting dub nation. Uh, about the idea of, of Ryan Rollins becoming that 13th man um, on the roster. When we come back, we're going to talk a little more about him uh, and a lot of and the roster in general, because you mentioned that Ryan is the 13th man on the roster, but that does beg the question, who's the 12th and, and what those other two spots are going to be. First, let's talk about Bet Online, our longtime sponsor, more specifically BetOnline.net. They're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL's around the corner, and NBA futures, NHL futures, combat sports, esports, even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts. They've got you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online is where the game starts. You can follow Connor Laterno uh, on Twitter at con underscore cron, C-O-N underscore C-H-R-O-N covering the Warriors and then some. A lot of other stuff going on for you at the San Francisco Chronicle. So what, what, I guess I, 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 when you said that Rollins is the 13th man, 
uh, who's the 12th? I mean, because I, I, are you referring to Patrick Baldwin Jr., even though he hasn't signed yet? And what do you see for, in regards to Patrick other two Baldwin. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Baldwin Jr. is going to sign a guaranteed contract, so you can pencil him into that, you know, okay. 13 number. Um, you know, obviously, Jermichael, if you're going to go based off of when guys sign, I guess you would say that uh, Michael Green could be the 12th guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, they have 13 guys. I know a lot of, some people have said they have 14, but Mac McClung is not on a guaranteed right. deal. His, his, right. his contract is completely non-guaranteed. So I'm only counting guys who will definitely be on the roster next season. Right. Um, you know, there's several training camp invitees, including Mac McClung, Travion Williams, um, the former lacrosse player out of Loyola, Maryland, uh, who, who played at Northwestern, who's going to be a training camp invitee. Uh, so there's those guys, but we're only talking about guys on guaranteed deals. So there's 13 there. Um, you know, as we all know at this point, it's looking like they're only going to have 14 going into the season because they want to save that money. So they're, they're going to leave that 15th spot probably vacant. And so, that 14th spot could very well go to Andre Godala if he decides to come back. We still have no resolution there. If he does not come back, if he retires, you know, that 14th spot will probably go to like a Mac McClung or maybe a Trayvon Williams. I think Mac McClung probably has the inside track for that. Um, there's also a chance that they could move Quindary Weatherspoon into that 14th spot and put yes. someone like Mac McClung on a two way. Uh, those two-way contracts are really fluid. Um, so the Warriors wouldn't be out anything just converting uh, that two-way deal for Kandari into a standard guaranteed deal. What do you think was the hesitation for, for not giving Quindary the guaranteed deal? And, and you're right, the two-way is very fluid. Uh, the biggest negative with the two-way is that if you're on a two-way contract, I don't know what the, the date is, but once you pass a certain date, I think it's in January, and you're on a two-way deal, you can't play in the playoffs. And so so what, what do you think is the hesitation for, for, for not giving Quindary the guaranteed deal? Um, and do you think that's going to happen eventually? What are your thoughts on that? I honestly think it was just a uh, salary cap maneuver on the Warriors' part. I don't think it's an indictment at all against Kendari. I think they really like him. They really like what he did last season. It's a, it's unfortunate for Kendari because the way two-way contracts are set up right now, there's just really not a lot of incentive for an NBA team to put someone like him on a guaranteed deal when they could easily just have him on the two-way. You know, they right. gave him the two-way qualifying offer, and then, you know, he didn't sign it for for weeks because he was betting his market, seeing if he could get a standard minimum somewhere. He didn't get that standard, standard minimum anywhere. Um, if he had, I think the Warriors would have matched it. He probably would have been on a minimum deal with the Warriors, but he didn't get that offer anywhere, so he basically had to go back to the Warriors on a two-way, which allows the Warriors to save a little bit of money, as we've been talking about. They're counting every penny right now. So mm-hmm. if they can, they will save that money. And the thing about like Quindary is like, yeah, he can eat up some regular season minutes for you. But, you know, I, I think he'll get on the floor this season. I think he'll get on the floor even more than he did last season. But he's obviously not going to be a guy who's going to be in the playoff rotation. You know, he's not going to be a guy who you need in the playoffs. So, you know, there's really no incentive for, to have someone like that on the mm-hmm. guaranteed roster. 
You know what I mean? I mean, on the two-way, you can play an unlimited amount of uh, regular season games, which not used to be the case. I think it was like 52 games was your limit. Now you can play as many as you want. So, you know, it's an unfortunate thing for Kadari because I talked to him at Summer League, and he was frustrated. This is before he agreed to go back on the two-way. He's like, dude, I'm just – I feel like I've proven myself. Like I'm trying to get on a, a standard deal and, and I, I don't, I feel like I'm better than a lot of these other guys on 15 man rosters throughout the NBA. And I'm tired of being on the two way. He has now made NBA history. as the first player in NBA history to be on a two way contract for four straight years, <laughs> uh, which stinks for him. I mean, no one wants that on their bio, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I think he's right. I think Quindary is better than a lot of players on 15-man rosters. And, it, you know, he keeps, he keeps uh, you know, in, in reading these attributions from him, he keeps trying to say that he wants to, to kind of fill that Gary Payne second role, especially as a, a defensive stalwart. And I could see it. I mean, the potential is there. That's the whole reason why I bring up the playoff thing is because maybe he could have a role in the playoffs at some point, depending on how well he plays this year. Dude, what, why, if the, money, if the Warriors are trying to save money, why do you think they're um, going to give Patrick Baldwin Jr. an NBA contract when they could just stash him away in Santa Cruz for a year and hold his rights with a G League contract? Like you're saying there's no chance of that, even though he doesn't seem NBA ready? That's not what I've been hearing. I mean, I, I've been hearing he's going to get a guarantee. Um, gotcha. I know, I guess you could, I think that's a relatively new thing, right? Where first round no, picks don't have it, to be guaranteed for a it long just time. Hasn't, no, it just hasn't been used in a while, but uh, the, the precedent goes back to like, I think 2014, you're right. Teams don't do it that much, but they have the right to. And I don't know if they don't do it because it, it's, 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 it's kind of like, to be honest, it's just kind of like a weird precedent to set. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to take a guy in the first round, hopefully you believe in him enough to <laughs> give him a guaranteed deal. But right, this right. is, this is a weird situation in that like talking to people in the Warriors organization, you almost, if you didn't know any better, if you didn't know where they were taking but just based on how people talk, you would think that Ryan Rollins was the first round pick, yes, and that Patrick Baldwin was the second round pick, yes. The, the totally. people in the organization seem a lot higher on Ryan Rollins. Uh, I feel like Patrick Baldwin was more of just a a gamble. You know, it's like a high upside play, on, and I understand it. But you're right; he's probably not going to play much, if at all. Uh, for the Warriors this season, he'll probably be with Santa Cruz, but I still expect him to have a 15-man roster spot. And the reality is, he probably will play some in the regular season, just because the regular season is long. You know, I, I think that they're going to be, you know, resting their their key older guys a lot. Yeah. There's going to be some minutes. There's going to be those nights. You know, maybe in San Antonio or like Indiana or like you know some of those against some of those bad teams where they just don't really try. They sit the, the big guys and they let, you know, the Patrick Baldwin's of the world get some run. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's technically a possibility, but I, I don't think – I think he's going to get a, a guaranteed deal. Um, yeah. they, want it, they want him to feel believed in. Exactly. I, I, I that's that's the line I was going down as well, logically, is that if you did that with him where you gave him just the G League contract – like he would, he would not be happy, <laughs> and and I guess you don't want un, unhappy campers on your roster. But at the same time, it's like if they're trying to well, save money, the, that's... You're, you'd be doing him a disservice because, you know, who's to say that someone wouldn't have taken him at twenty nine or thirty, who 
would have given him a guaranteed deal. So he's out right. money because you took him earlier. Like right. it's a little unfair to him. It's yeah. just not. It's not like a good way to start someone's a relationship with a player who you <laughs> claim to believe in and you claim to, you know, think has a bright future. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I haven't had a chance to talk to you, and I can't wait until you're you're back in your routine. You're you're it's summer. You're 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 going on trips. You're getting engaged. You're just having the time of your life right now. And good for you, brother. You deserve it. Um, I have not had a chance to talk to you about Jamichael Green. What are your thoughts on him, man? I am elated. Your thoughts? I I I think it was a great pickup. Um, I think that if you look at who was available in the open market, um, there's not a better guy you could have gotten on a minimum who fills the need. You know, they needed a stretch four. They needed kind of like a pick and pop big to kind of round out that rotation. And he is that. He's, a, he's proven to be that. He, he's done it at a high level, I think, for a long time. Yes, he had a little bit of a down year last year, but that was kind of a unique situation with Denver. There were a lot of different factors that I think contributed to his poor shooting numbers. Mm-hmm. But he was still helpful, even though his, his threes weren't going down at the rate you want him to. He's pretty good defensively. He he, he has a good feel for the game. I, I don't think he was any sort of liability for Denver. I mean, there's a reason why he still played significant minutes in the playoffs for them. Agreed. And so I thought it was a great pickup. Uh, I thought it was a little bit of next-level thinking, once again, on Bob Myers' part, to, to vet the market and see that someone like that could be available and to – you know, play the long game and, and yep. be patient and, and wait for him to get the buyout with OKC. Like there were several layers to that that I think, and I think people kind of, you know, take that for granted with Bob Myers. Um, I mean, if you look at their free agency signings, the same thing could be said for Dante DiVincenzo. You know, there were several layers to that. They had to know that Sacramento was not going to extend him a qualifying offer. They had to pounce right away. They had to do a lot of things to get into position to sign someone like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the the deal they did, and so if you look at what they've done in free agency, and I like I said earlier, I think they're done. You know, I, outside of maybe bringing back Andre, I think they're done. And so I know a lot of people are upset, understandably, that they didn't sign, they didn't resign GP two, they didn't resign um, Otto Porter Jr. and those guys. But if you look at it, I mean, I I, I saw a tweet I think from Bobby Marks from ESPN the other day. And the difference between salary and luxury tax that they're saving between GP2 and OPJ versus Dante DiVincenzo and Jermichael Green is like well over $50 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, GP2 and OPJ are better players than Dante DiVincenzo and Jermichael Green, but are they $50 million better? Like, like you know, I, I, think I think when you factor 56. in the financial aspect of this, you got to say that it was pretty shrewd on the Warriors' part, and I thought smart. And I think both of those guys are going to be very helpful rotation players for the Warriors. And I thought that given the deal, the deals that they were signed to, uh, and that's what you got to judge this off of is the, the contracts that they're on. Yep. They're absolute bargains. You know, I felt the same way about OPJ last year when he was signed on a minimum. I feel the same way about Michael Green and um, Dante. Oh, I love the Jermichael Green signing. And, and again, he could even play small ball five. You know, that's he, he brings a lot of versatility. Uh, I'll leave you with this. He's like a best, he's a best version of Belly is yeah. basically what I, how I look at it. Yeah, and, and then the way, the way I look at it, what I keep saying is the Warriors basically traded – 
uh, Gary Payton II, Otto Porter Jr., and Bielitsa, but it, what they got in return is, is Dante DiVincenzo, Jamichael Green, and then now you got James Wiseman, um, who they, they didn't see for a minute last year. So when you really l- look at that swap, it's almost even. I mean, you could really, I mean, it depends on how they perform this year, but it might actually be a win. Um, yeah, I'm not bummed about it, man. I mean, the moment the Jamichael Green signing happened, I, I felt relieved, dude. I was My, my offseason was back to comfort and relaxation. Uh, but until then, man, I was bummed, dude. I did not know what the Warriors are planning there. Uh, what is your thought? I'll leave you with this, um, you know, because I had our boy Keith Smith was on the show the other day. He provided tremendous insight and information about the Warriors' salary cap situation. There's a lot of hope. Uh, Keith is actually very confident that at some point during the middle of the season, uh, it will be announced, not formally, but at least the knowledge will be out there that the CBA, part of the revision, will include a lack of penalties, uh, more specifically luxury tax penalties for teams' draft picks, um, which the Warriors are full of. The only player really making big money that is not a draft pick is Wiggins. So when Draymond Green is coming out saying, I want a max deal, it might be under the premise that the Warriors next year might actually see their tax hit just completely deflate. Um, and if that's the case, I can understand Draymond asking for that. If it doesn't happen, then he's asking for a lot. What are your thoughts on the Draymond Green uh, max extension demand that he's reportedly making? First of all, shout out to Keith Smith. Yes. Anyone who's re- read my coverage it, has, has seen his name a lot. He's like my go-to salary cap guy. I'm not yeah. a salary cap expert. And obviously the salary cap is incredibly important to the Warriors right now. So he's been kind of the guy I've been leaning on. So I thought it was cool that you had him on. I listened to that episode. Nice. I thought it was super thanks informative. To you. Thanks to you, Connor. It, thanks to you, man. Um, yeah, he's he's amazing. Definitely go listen to that, listeners, if you if you haven't already. But uh, I I think that first of all, this entire situation with twenty twenty three twenty four, you know, the the payroll for twenty twenty three twenty four, um, and all the the extensions and contract situations that go into that to me, is the most important issue facing the Warriors, period. End of story. Um, It is going to be the storyline all season. It is going to be hanging over the Warriors every single day. Um, It's going to be huge uh, because even if the Warriors win the title next year, you're doing that under the premise knowing you've got to make a really important decision that summer if you haven't already. and I actually just filed before I got in the car to drive to beautiful Stockton, California. Um, I filed a story that, that basically it was a column. And I looked at this entire situation and I understand why there's a lot of chatter right now about Draymond. There, there was obviously that report the other day from the athletic that said that he wants a max deal. And I completely understand that that obviously has implications for the year that really matters, which is, 2023-24, but ultimately, I think that kind of, uh, I think that kind of overlooks the point a little bit. Um, and the point is that what really matters right now is that the Warriors have to decide between Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins. Mm. Whatever happens with Draymond is going to happen with Draymond. Draymond's going to be on the team. Okay, they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure something out. Draymond will be on the team. Okay. Um, whether that's at a max deal, I don't know. He's going to be on the team for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. That's 
not the case with potentially Jordan Poole or Andrew Wiggins. Like, if you look at the situation right now, they can't keep both of them. That's just a practical reality. Joe Lacob has gone on record multiple times and intimated yep. as much that they can't keep both of them. And so what I wrote today, and it should be online by now, is I think that it's pretty. It's becoming clear that Jordan Poole is probably going to be the odd man out. Um, and that was – it's definitely a change of course because, you know, I remember coming on this podcast a few months ago and we all thought, oh, it's probably going to be Andrew Wiggins is going to be the yeah. odd out, right? Yes. But before Andrew Wiggins came and was unquestionably the Warriors' second best player in the playoffs for a championship team and was incredibly important on both sides of the ball, rebounded the CRAP out of the ball. <laughs> and uh, prove that he is a core piece of a dynastic team. And so when you factor that in, I think that changed the calculus. Uh, and, you know, talking to people in the organization, I know that they're serious about ha- at least having conversations with uh, Andrew Wiggins about a contract extension. I'm not sure that it'll happen this summer. I know that there will be conversations with Poole this summer as well, but I get the vibe that they're going to kick the can down the road and uh, just see how next season develops, um, which is, I think, the prudent thing to do. You, you want to make these decisions when you have the most information at your disposal. Like, a lot could happen next season that changes the Warriors' plans, you know. Uh, maybe maybe Poole gets injured and that hurts his market value and the Warriors can re-sign him at a more affordable rate. You know, there's just a lot of things that could happen, but I think based off of the information that we have right now, um, I think if, if they had to make a decision today, I think that they would pick Wiggins. And ultimately it comes down to one very simple thing. And it is the fact that two-way wings, high-level two-way wings, are much harder to find than high-level scoring shooting guards. And I think... Jordan Poole, as great as he is, and I've, you know, I really appreciate, I have a lot of respect for him, how much he's improved, proving that's all wrong. I was one of those people who was not high on him early in his career. Same. Same. Um, tons of props to him. But at the end of the day, he's far more replaceable than Andrew Wiggins. You can go out and replace his offensive production. And the truth is, if you look at last season, he was the only guy in the top eight of that rotation who was a defensive liability. And Andrew Wiggins is, you know, a two-way player in the, in the true every sense of the word. Um, he was guarding the best uh, player on the, on the opposing team night in and night out. His defense on Luka Doncic and Jason Tatum was one of the biggest reasons that this side of Stephen Curry, why the Warriors won the title. Yep. And so – I think that is ultimately why the balance is going to tip in um, in Wiggins' favor. Also, another factor here is the age, okay? Wiggins is 27 years old. He's kind of that perfect bridge age-wise between the older generation of, of Steph, Draymond, Clay, and the younger generation of, like, Kaminga, Wiseman, Moody. Um, you know, he's at an age where he'll still be in his prime once, Steph and those guys decline or retire. 
Um, he'll be kind of that older statesman guy in his early 30s. And I think that's really valuable when you're looking at this from a, from a macro lens. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I hate to say it, but Poole's almost too young. Poole's only 23, yep. and he's definitely more in that generation of the younger generation. I think it would behoove the Warriors to have uh, kind of that bridge player, and I think they'd be much more likely to not have a huge drop-off once Steph Curry leaves if they kept Wiggins over Poole. Is it? A, but is all this a moot point if they revise the CBA to stop penalizing teams for paying their draft picks? Um, I mean, I don't know a lot about the nuances of that. Um, I haven't seen a lot of that. I listened to the majority of your podcast the other day. Maybe I, I, maybe I, I missed that part, but, uh, uh, I don't know a ton about that. So I'm, it depends on what the changes would be. Uh, you know, so I can't really speak to that. I'm only going off the information we have right now and the rules in place now. And that's really all you can do right now, you know? Yeah. And because 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 the way I the way I Keith was is confident that uh, when because after this year they're going to have to revise this thing and and there probably won't be a lockout but one of the sticking points and it might not be a sticking point maybe both sides come to a quick, quick agreement is that while the premise the the idea of the luxury tax is to prevent the bigger market teams from outspending smaller market teams. Um, you're penalizing small market teams as well. The Oklahoma City Thunder are a perfect example of that because they're basing their entire roster on draft picks. And at a certain point, they're going to have a, a, a situation like the Warriors have where you have four or five guys who you drafted yourself and now you're giving them max deals, close to max deals. And it just doesn't seem fair to be penalized for your draft picks. And Keith seems very confident that they're going to revise this thing to take out the penalties so that when the Warriors pay Stephen Curry $50 million a year, they're not really paying $150 million a year uh, with all the penalties attached to that. Um, and if that happens, yeah, I think the Warriors are stoked. I think then you can start entertaining the idea of keeping both Wiggins and Jordan Poole. But you're right. Under the current rules, I'm with you. And honestly, man, that's the only reason why I thought the Kevin Durant thing was a real possibility because I thought the Warriors were looking at this as either we lose Wiggins or Poole or we could lose both, but we get Kevin Durant back in return. Um, who knows if, if that's still realistic? Bet Online, our longtime sponsor, actually lists the Warriors, uh, gives the Warriors the second highest odds to to, to acquire Kevin Durant. Um, do you think that's? I guess we'll end on that note. Uh, do you think that's dead in the water now? Any idea of Durant coming to the Warriors? I always thought it was dead in the water. So <laughs> I mean, you, you know, I never thought that was like a viable thing. Uh, so, yeah. There you go. All right. Good stuff. <laughs> that ends that. Um, and again, Connor, you, you always produce tremendous content. I've actually been reading you in print uh, just because we have a uh, – at my mom and, and now former stepdad's house, we have a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle here. My stepdad was an ardent uh, reader of the newspaper, and, and I saw some of your pieces there just today, man. It was good to actually hold the newspaper. It's been a while. I forgot how – I miss those days, man, where you actually – just sit down, have a cup of coffee, eat your breakfast, and you just have all this incredible content in front of you that exercises your brain and forms you uh, with valid information. Um, but again, you can also read all of Connor's content online because you, you could subscribe that way. Yeah. So um, in the Chronicle, one of the things I like about the Chronicle is like we're one. I feel like we're one of the few newspapers left that still cares about its print edition. Yeah. Like we actually we put effort into it. My former employer. Um, we had, they had a print edition, but like 
they just did not care at all about it. They phoned it in. Um, whereas we actually really care about the layout. Uh, we have a really good designer um, who who puts in real hours to make it look its best every single day. I think the the, the sporting green, the whole idea behind it, I think is cool. So yeah, shout out to anyone who still reads the print edition. Um, That's awesome. Because we. We still care about it. So I love me too, man. I I love it so much, dude. That's that's good stuff. And keep up the great work, brother. Let's uh let's definitely do this again soon. And all the best, man. Have fun in in paradise, in the number one tourist destination in California, Stockton, California. Have fun, brother. Hey, you know I'm I'm just driving down the road here in Stockton, daydreaming about Sons of Anarchy, uh, which yes! is set oh, in, in this area. Dude. So. Oh, my one of my all-time favorite shows. You're right. In the fictional town of Charming, located between Stockton and Modesto. Talk, they right? talked a lot about Stockton in that show because it was supposed to be like a fictional town that was right next door to Stockton. Yeah, Charming. You know? Yes, exactly. The fictional town of Charming, California. Oh man, if if you folks have never seen Sons of Anarchy, there's a lot of violence. But damn, is that a good show, man. I was near tears at the end. I'll just leave it at that. Um Good reference, dude. Good work there. All right, Connor. We'll talk soon, brother. Thank you. All right. Thank you.